To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just ain't the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers Welcome to the Opinionated Bench Warmers Podcast, episode 65. I'm back again with my best buddies, my best pals. Aww. We're back for another edition of the Opinionated Bench Warmers Podcast. We appreciate all the support and love we've been receiving so far. We appreciate you for all the people that have subscribed and on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play or Stitcher. Please continue to do that. If you feel inclined to, please leave a review. Continue to show us love. If you see an episode posted on your Instagram store, if you feel inclined to, shirts and hats are on the way uh, for those that want them. More details soon come. How y'all doing, brothers? Man, wow, here we are. I'm doing good. <laughs> he come with that food. <laughs> nah, I'm good, man. Every everything is good on my end, bro. It, it always feels good, also too, to have an off day, bro. So it's been a pretty good day for me, man, and a good day to talk sports as usual. I raised your day off to a week off, man. Oh, I took a week ooh. off. Oh, wow. so you imagine how I feel? Yeah, I know how hard I work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yo, let's get into it, man. I want to first divulge how upset I am about the report that my Saints was going to land Jadavian Clowney and in very David Stern-ish-esque way, the NFL shut that down. If you don't, if you've been living under a rock, basically, listeners, yes, that's right. The Saints had a deal in place with the Browns to sign and trade. The Browns was going to sign Jadavian and then it was going to trade him away and was going to send him a second-round pick. And usually with a sign and trade, if you don't know what that is, a sign and trade, usually when a team is 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 really uh, over the cap, which is us, we're very, very close. I think we only got like mm, maybe seven million, seven million of cap space left. And you have a special talent like Jadavie who really causes a lot of money. Uh, you, you have to think of unique and, and very uh, creative ways. And, you know, um, my thing is that they shut it down, and I say David Stern-esque way, if you don't remember when they shut down the Chris Paul trade, they would have had Chris Paul and Kobe teamed up, and you know how many championships that would have been. But, you know, I, I just don't understand. You know, every other league uh, allows signing trades, but the NFL, which when you do some more research, they're, they're historically known for rejecting signing trades. And I'm pissed off because – it's now or never for my team. We're going all in this year. Why are they hating on us like this, fellas? Why are they hating on us like that? I can't lie to you, man. I was so happy it didn't go through. So you can call me a hater too, my man. You can call me a hater too. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, Rams fan, fan here talking, coming in, coming in clear, loud and clear. Yeah, that 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 would have been nice. And I think he was trying to pull a move that I haven't seen. I, I, I was reading on the report that was put out there. I believe that you guys are going to send a second round pick and maybe a player too. So the money can um, absolutely match to the Browns and the Browns is essentially just going to sign the player to the contract and send it to you guys. Um, but I'm, um, you know, and I think that also um, there was another team that was trying to do the same thing. Uh, the Ravens, the Ravens and the Jaguars had the same type of deal in place to make that happen. Um, I know it's been rumored that Jadavion Clowney wanted to go to the Ravens this offseason, but, you know, the, the Ravens weren't so much on top, wasn't um, all in on the deal and, uh, and didn't have the money to do it as well. 
Um, and so they, the Jaguars and the Ravens also is in on the clowny sweepstakes. So it's interesting. He ended up to the Titans. Uh, I don't know how that's going to fit, but um, I, I'm glad it didn't happen. Yeah, it, it was a very interesting situation because a lot of times, you know, when you think about sports and you think about these different leagues, um, especially the NBA, for an example, when you see those signing trades, a lot of the times it's, you know, the team that they were with that does the signing and then does the trading, you know, right after that. You don't really see too many situations where it's like, hey, we're going to figure out, we're going to get these two teams that he hasn't been involved with at all, hasn't been on either team, and then one is going to sign and then eventually flip him and trade him to the other team. Like, the the way that it was supposed to work, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I appreciate the creativity. I appreciate figuring out a way to try to make something happen. But it is kind of a little bit different to me than like a typical sign and trade that I'm accustomed to as far as a, a player going into free agency, the team that his his team that he was just with technically doing the signing and trading them and flipping them to another squad. So the dynamics of it were to me a little bit different than a typical sign and trade. But um, I mean, it, it is what it is. Uh, I know if I were a diehard Saints fan, I'd probably be very upset right now. I mean, I'm cool with the Saints. I have no issue with them. Uh, but, you know, it's not the Colts. So at the end of the day, I don't really have too many tears. Well, thanks <laughs> for the moral right. support, guys. <laughs> thanks for the moral support. Here for you, man. <laughs> but I think uh, ultimately I don't think it will affect us. It would have been great to have him. But, I mean, Jadavion Klein has proved that he's all about his money. So I'm glad that he got paid. But like Lowe said, I don't know how much that's going to help the Titans or if it, are they going to the – is this a Super Bowl move for them? Not necessarily. Uh, I think that it would have been good for us to have another talented defender because we got an all-pro linebacker in uh, – God, what's his name? What's his name? Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan. I mean, he's on the line. Uh, Demario but Davis. Demario Davis. We, we got an all-pro linebacker. And I think that what's been underrated for the past couple of years is the type of Linebacker, linebacker core that we have. We have guys that fly from sideline to sideline. We love those linebackers because we play that that three four. So uh, I mean that four three. So I mean I think that it's 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 very you know it would have been nice to have, especially when you look at the Buccaneers loading up, which is a good transition. I think Los has something. You got something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I just wanted. To, I think y'all going after Jadavion Clowney says a lot. What you guys think about Marcus Davenport at this point? You know what I'm saying? He's a guy that you guys traded up for in the draft and gave up a future first-round pick and a first-round pick in that draft. And now you guys are trying extra hard, making all these extra moves for um, a, essentially a player that plays the same position as Marcus Davenport. So I don't know what that says about Marcus Davenport. Maybe he isn't the guy that you guys wanted so far. He hasn't been that productive. He's been in and out with injuries, you know, best ability is availability. But I just want to know what you thought on that as far as did you think, you know, you know, this says that, you know, he he can't be that guy or maybe he's a bust. What, what, what were your thoughts on that? I think it just would have been a shot in the arm type move. I don't think it said really directly says anything about Davenport because I feel like when Davenport, just like you alluded to, when he's on the field and he's available, he's fantastic. Uh, he's getting to the ball. He's on every play. He, he's stuffing up the line along with Sheldon Rankins and, and Cam Jordan. I just really feel like this was just a shot in the arm. I mean, when you look at the Buccaneers, which we're going to get to in a second, where they just stacked on talent offensively, you have to do something to combat that. And, you know, it's similar to what uh, the Raiders are doing with, with Henry Ruggs when they drafted him. You know, Henry Ruggs went before Jerry Judy, which is arguably the best receiver in the league. But they see what Tyreek is doing over there in Kansas City. And they want, they want that. They want that in Las Vegas. So – I think that's with us more so. It's just like a cat and mouse game. We see the scope of the league, and we understand that this team is going to look very extremely different next year because uh, as the roster stands, we are, I think maybe, I'm not going to speculate, but I think we're like 20 mil over the cap or something like, something crazy. I'm not going to, don't quote me on that. But we, you know, so our team's going to look completely different because we're not going to be able to pay everybody. And, you know, Lattimore is coming up. You know, Alvin Kamara is coming up. 
and we want to pay these guys and we want to keep them. And, and Sheldon Rankins is coming up. I think we can get him a little cheaper because he's been injured throughout his whole career. And then Davenport, like you mentioned. So I just think it was a, it, it probably would have been a shot in the arm type move. It would have been nice to have him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think he still has a juice. I just, again, he just needs to, um, he just needs to, one, stay on the field. He stays on the field. I think he can be that guy and give you five to seven sacks, you know, um, right. a year. You know what I'm saying? He's definitely a long, productive player. Came out of small school, UTSA, which happened to be the school I'm working at right now. But, you know, and I've seen him live, and he, he is a monster. So I just think he just needs to, again, stay on the field. It's just unfortunate that he hasn't been able to. Yeah, I agree, man. Um, and which, interesting enough, brings up another conversation, what I want to trans- transition to. Big news, huge news. Leonard Fournette finally found a home after surprisingly being cut by the Jaguars. It only took two days for him to find a home, which I anticipated. And he finds himself in – that loaded, like I mentioned earlier, that loaded Buccaneers team, a team that has Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, Tom Brady. You know, you got Ronald Jones there. You got Kavon, uh, Kavon Henry. What's his last name? Henry, yeah? No? No. I'm, I'm what his name is? Come on, I'm, man. I'm drawing, Kavon I'm drawing. Johnson? Yeah. No. <laughs> I shouted out somebody. My bad, yeah, Kavon. Years ago. <laughs> My bad, Kavon. Hold on, bro. We got, we got to say this. We got to give him the proper respect, man. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Yeah, come I on. know who you're talking about, but just like on the spot, I just Kavon is it. his first name. I mean, his last name. Last name, Keyshawn yeah. Vaughn. Keyshawn Vaughn. Keyshawn Vaughn. My bad, yeah. Keyshawn. I gave him a little nickname, huh? <laughs> Combine his first name. <laughs> right. My bad, my bad, my bad, Kavon. My bad, <laughs> Henry Vaughn. What'd you say? Keyshawn Vaughn. <laughs> my bad, Keyshawn. My, my bad. I ain't playing with your name, bro. But, yeah, they have an ultra-talented squad, and now they add this another dynamic, which is going to spark a debate. And I'm going to kick it off because me and Lowe's been arguing back and forth, mainly because we share uh, two fantasy leagues together. And we, we were in trade discussions. I can, I can uh, I, you know, I could divulge this for the listeners. You know, we, we was in trade discussions for Leonard Fournette. Uh, I wasn't feeling too good about Leonard Fournette. Uh, just owning him in my in my dynasty league, and I was shopping him, and I wasn't able to get the value that I wanted back for him. But I'm happy that I didn't because, in my eyes and how I truly feel, I feel like it's a match made in heaven with him being in Tampa Bay. Mainly being that this is the best offensive line he's played behind. This is the best offense he's been a part of. This is the best quarterback he's ever played with. And he's never had this many weapons. And basically, I'm, you know, as a Saints fan, I don't like to see it. But as a fantasy owner, I'm, I'm quite satisfied because I'm not worried about Ronald Jones. I'm not worried about uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, which I know Keyshawn is going to be a, a, a going forward. I own him in my dynasty league because I feel like in a couple of years, he's going to be a good guy. But I think that when you have a talent like Leonard, who, you know, averaged four yards, uh, per carry throughout his career with with people loading the box on him, I feel like he's he's going to be successful, man. I don't think that uh, week one, week two, but I think about around that week four mark, I feel like he, things are going to pick up for him. And I feel like he's going to be good, a good fantasy uh, player, a fantasy piece. And I feel like as well is that he's going to be a good player and going to have a good season this year. Yeah, I think we did debate a little bit about this 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 um, this past week about Leonard Fournette and the system. So every point that you made as far as him and the system and being in the best situation that he ever has been in, there's no argument there. Uh, I think my side of the argument was more so, hey, he has talent there. You know, all those players that you did just name, uh, you know, with uh, Keyshawn Vaughn there, with LaShawn McCoy, which, you know, is just the shell of LaShawn McCoy. He's still, you know, he's not LaShawn McCoy of old. But, again, you know, there's been talk about him still coming in and playing third down roles. And then, of course, Ronald Jones there. So I think it's going to be difficult to see, uh, you know, Leonard getting the touches that he's gotten before where he dominated touches last year in Jacksonville just because of all the talent that is there. And I think that was more so my argument. It was like, hey, yes, he's, he's probably in the best possible situation second to him going to maybe Kansas City and being that second running back that they're missing now uh, behind uh, Clyde. But 
you know, I think he's in the best situation he could be in. Um, you know, the, the key, I think, with Fournette is, is he going to be that goal linebacker or are they going to mix in Ronald Jones and him, you know, and is he going to get third down work or is he just going to be occasionally mix in and maybe get 40% of the, the carries here and there? You know, he's going to be inconsistent week to week where you're going to be like, he he's great this week, but he's on my bench because he hasn't done anything the last two weeks, you know, so where he can be that headache, that fantasy football headache. And so that's the concern that I have with him is, hey, his, his, his path to being that workhorse back, workhorse back is not as clear as it was when he was with Jacksonville. Yeah, I think my take on it, honestly, was kind of the part you were really sharing more towards the end, you know, and that's what I was kind of dropped in the group meeting when we were going through it, uh, was really I think that he is going to end up being that goal line back. Uh, he's going to be someone that even when Ronald Jones is getting work, even when LaShawn McCoy is getting work, honestly, some of their fantasy owners are going to be upset because Leonard's going to come in and vulture some of those touchdowns. Um, and ultimately, I believe that talent will win out in that backfield. I, I have said that I don't believe that, you know, it's going to be the days that Leonard is getting 20, 25 carries all the time. Um, and I have said that I think that it will be, uh, you know, that there will be a share there in that backfield. But ultimately, Leonard is the most talented running back in that backfield. We know that LaShawn McCoy is not the, the LaShawn McCoy that he used to be. Ronald Jones... Ronald Jones is Ronald Jones. I mean, <laughs> I don't think I need to go into like a, 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 a breakdown. A of... trash can named Ronald Jones. <laughs> <laughs> so, a trash I, I'm can gonna... named Ronald Jones. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to even spend <laughs> Am my I naming time. the episode a trash can named Ronald Jones? <laughs> no, we're we not going to name the episode. <laughs> I don't right, know. Fine. We'll see what it, what it is. But ultimately, fine. like I said, man, Leonard is the most talented back in that backfield. And ultimately, I think with that team, especially when you have the aspirations that you do um, of that team to, to go to the Super Bowl, to try to win it all, man, talent is going to, to uh, rise above anything. Yeah. And I think that, you know, even though, like you mentioned, even in some of our group meet uh, conversations, Los, about Tom and, you know, the, the share carries with the Patriots running backs from year to year and all of that, I still think ultimately, man, uh, when when Tom sees kind of a somewhat of a workhorse that he can have with Leonard and sees that talented back, I think that Tom is going to eventually want Leonard to even be the guy as well, man. And yeah, then, so oh, good. Sorry, go. Uh, yeah, so go what, what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> right. Wait. Wait. Oh, yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> go ahead, Los. Yeah. What? What? Uh, Ramon is alluding to is I compared their backfields, the Patriots. And the Bucks is, you know, Tom's Compared never apples to oranges. <laughs> right. Right. Well, you know, my point was Tom never been in the backfield where he had a workhorse back, the guy that the, the running back was just the guy. Um, you know, and I, I don't know if he, you know, that's a Tom's preference type of thing, or was that just a system thing? And I think that's more so what Rob was saying. That's just two different systems and it won't be the the, the case. But me, I'm just looking at it and I'm like, hey, you know, you have these talented players. I don't see I know it may get to a point where Tom Brady trusts Leonard Fournette, um, you know, in the backfield with him the most. But, you know, everything, every stat, every analytic um, stat that I've looked at says that Leonard Fournette has not been good in pass protection. You know, he's actually been one of the, the worst ones in pass protection. Um, you guys can look that up. But um, no, that's, so true. That, that's true. That, that's something that's very interesting because, again, that takes him off the field on third down. That takes him that, – that, that don't give him that opportunity to catch those balls. And, you know, as soon as he missed that block, Tom Brady, okay, now I can't trust you. You know what I'm saying? Let's get somebody in here that's going to be able to block. And so that's another reason that's taking him off the field. So it's going to be interesting to see how – I think this week one of, of football is our first time seeing how these players are going to be used, how – how much percentage of these mixed up backfields that's not necessarily decided how, what's going to be the usage, you know what I'm saying? And these receivers, you know, what, what are they playing in the slot? Are they playing on the outside? How are they, everybody's being used going forward? I think it's going to be interesting week one, the probably the most anticipated week one, because again, we haven't had preseason. I think, uh, as you, as you said, uh, another, just to make an argument, I guess I'm Leonard Fournette's uh, lawyer on his, on his behalf, making a case for him. I think Coach Aarons is not going to really show his hand. And I think a lot of coaches, I think we sometimes can get caught up in the media 
And it's only so many reports that can be made. But I think from a strategic standpoint, you know, I think it affords him to hold his cards close to his chest. And it's just like Ramon said, when you have talent, talent trumps everything. If you got a guy that's getting six or seven yards per carry, why are you going to take him out? And especially in a system where Leonard Fournette coming off a 50-plus reception season, uh, he's proven that he can catch. he's, He's added that aspect of his game. We don't know what aspect he's at. I mean, he's blocking historically has been atrocious, close as you said. But I feel as though talent trumps everything. And when they're going to ride the hot hand, and I feel like the hot hand is going to be Leonard uh, just because the situation really benefits him. Uh, just having a good line, uh, having talent around him. Uh, I don't think any team can really focus on Leonard. You know, it's crazy to think that Leonard will be an afterthought almost. Uh, and then you add the dynamic of him being in a timeshare, you know, it's easy for Leonard, a talent like him to slip through the cracks and the defense is like, oh, my God, we got the wrong personnel in. But we didn't have time to switch out. So I, 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 I don't know, man. The ceiling to me is just so high here, man. And then the floor is just what he's always pretty much giving you <laughs> and, and, and bulging touchdowns. And that's the name of the game. So fantasy-wise, you know, but – I think that he's going to have a good season. So that's my case. So in, in mock drafts, ever since this trade has been made and the ones I've done, you've, you've been able to get Leonard um, in the fifth or sixth round. So a lot of people feel like Lopes that, you know, he's not going to be that good, you know, but we, we've had drafts before and Leonard was going in the second and third round. Didn't you take him in the third, Ramon? Or the yeah, I took him in the third round. Yeah, so – so, you know, I got one more draft to go, and uh, should I divulge this? No, I'm not. I'm not going to say what my strategy is going to be because uh, we got I got my final draft tomorrow, tomorrow night, and I don't want the guys to hear what I plan on doing, but we'll talk about it next week, guys. But neither here nor there. The Buccaneers keep getting – the rich keep getting richer. There's nothing else to talk there. Uh, Los. I want you to lead it off, man. What's some week one predictions or storylines that you want to pay attention to or you're expecting to happen? Well, let's start it off with the Thursday night game. You know, let's go with the two big, big, big paid quarterbacks now. You know what I'm saying? They got paid handsomely this offseason with Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. You know, that that should be a high-scoring game. It should be a game that we should um, expect to see a lot of points. You know, who's going to emerge? for um, Texans as that number one receiver now. You know, now that DeAndre Hopkins is with the Cardinals, did, is it going to be Brandon Cooks? Is did, it you say, be- did you say Moneybag Deshaun and Moneybag Mahomes? <laughs> yeah, the, yeah they, they definitely paid now. So, you know, it'll be interesting to watch that and see again who's going to be that number one receiver for um, the Texans. And then on the other side of the ball, how is Hilaire going to uh, – Clyde going to play in that offense? You know, who's going to – I had a draft. Were y'all in that draft? Yeah, y'all were in that draft with me. Clyde went number one in our draft. Yeah, the hype yeah. is really real. Well, um, well, but but just just preface that by the fact that that is a keeper league. So like yeah. McCaffrey was already kept, Saquon was already kept. So just to put that out there. Is but a, I've been doing my drafts where people have been taking him number one. I was hoping to oh, get him in the late he's first top, round. He's, he's top five. Oh, yeah, for Pop sure. I think it's because, it's, I mean, it, when people look at it, and, and we're kind of going off surface, of course. Yeah. We're going to get back on course. But, you know, when you look at it, it doesn't matter where you draft people, you know, because at, at the end of the day, when it comes to playoff time and at the end of the season, what, what did this player do for you, like, as production-wise? Now, I do predict him to be a top five fantasy running back in PPR leagues this year. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, those are the storylines I'm looking forward to that first game, you know, um, and then seeing what Hartman's role is in that offense. You know, he is supposed to emerge as that number two receiver um, overtaking Sammy Watkins in that in that offense. So seeing if he can be that number two guy um, and number two weapon or receiver, because Kelsey would probably be the number two weapon um, on that team. Um, but that, that'll be interesting. And then the other storyline I want to bring up is seeing how, how is it going to feel and sound without a crowd at these football games? You know, we saw – They better you know, take a book NBA. out of the uh, NBA and put that artificial noise in there. But, that, well, I, I mean, I think it's harder to do that. And, quite frankly, I'm going to give my girl 
her credit for this. She brought up a great point. It's easier to make artificial noise in a in a in a arena, basketball arena, than it will be in a in a football state NFL football stadium. So those that is a good point. I'm interested to see how they do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I know it's been talk about them going to do that, the the fake noise. Um, and then I was watching a little bit of the Hard Knocks with the Rams featuring in the Rams and the Chargers, and you know. Um, you know the the Rams scrimmage at their new stadium, and you know they said that they did the fake noise, but it was just one loud noise, constant noise. You know when you have fans there, it's a wavering of noise. Big play happens, then there's you know a loud noise, or you know a, a missed field goal, then it kind of you get different reaction, not just a constant loud noise. It gets annoying after a while, and even you know Sean McVay mentioned it's like yeah, it just kind of gets annoying a little bit after a while. You know it's not the same feel of a real crowd. So it'll be interesting to see if they're able to work that to where it's a different sound and not just a constant noise. And then I noticed also that you have a lot of teams that are allowing a, a cap or a limit on the amount of fans they will allow in the stadium. I know that my Saints is one of them that's allowing fans to be in the stadium. I haven't heard if there will be a cap, but I know that certain some stadiums are allowing 6,000 people in there uh, some I mean, 6,000 and you can fill it up for, with 75,000. It's still going to be weird. But, um, you know, it, we'll see, man. I, I think that it's uh, 75, like 90, something like that. Something crazy. No, no, no you're more, you more right. You're right. Yeah. Like NFL stadiums are typically smaller than like college football. Yeah, because I'm thinking about LSU. I'm like, damn, yeah, LSU, LSU really can sit 100,000 people. But anyway. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it will be. Uh, we have had some college football action that has kicked off as well, but um, we'll see. I mean, yeah. Like uh, he said, so your prediction, be- Los, you can't get out of here, man, without a prediction. You know how we do. Thursday night prediction. What's your score prediction? Um, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Chiefs winning it. Um, I'm going to go with the Chiefs winning it probably 42 to 32. Okay. I'm going uh, to go Chiefs as well. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go uh, – I, th- I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring than people think just because they hadn't had preseason. So – and I'm going to keep it interesting. I say the same thing you're saying. So I'm going to go uh, 30 to 23. Oh, ugly score. <laughs> uh, 30-23 Chiefs. Uh, my score prediction uh, is going to be 38-31 Chiefs taking it. 38-31. All right. Fair enough. What are some other interesting week one matchups that y'all are looking forward to? Uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a, a homeboy. I'm going to be a fan. And I'm going to say it's the Saints and Buccaneers. Now, it's not just because I'm a Saints fan, but interesting enough, I think any football fan is, is excited and interested to see how these Bucks and all these huge pieces will mesh. I think that we want to see how Alvin Kamara is going to perform. Uh, after being injured all last year, him finally being healthy and uh, having a contract year. I think it's a couple things that you're looking forward to in this game. But that, I think that's the one that I'm interested in the most to see this week. Uh, yeah. I, I would say I think that, that both of y'all kind of already mentioned two games that I was actually interested in <laughs> uh, and that I was going to say. I would say probably for mine, what I do have a level of interest in, and part of this is because I do have one of these guys on my fantasy team, um, but I'm interested in that Cardinals 49ers matchup. Uh, I think okay. I'm interested to see kind of year two what Kyler Murray is going to look like, if that offense is going to kind of take that next step um, in year two in that system, and you bring in DeAndre Hopkins over there, um, and of course seeing what Kenyon Drake is doing in that backfield, of course, against, you know, the 49ers, who are a pretty established team, solid defense. Um, so I'm kind of interested, kind of intrigued in that matchup to really see how that's going to play out. More so because I, I do want to see what year two Kyler Murray is going to look like. Yeah, I mean, I think those – I mean, this week one is probably, again, one of the most anticipated. And you, you can even go to the Sunday night game. You know, the Cowboys, you know, America's team, and the Rams, you know what I'm saying? And – Dak in his weapons, you know, Rams, golf in his weapons, you know, and now you got, again, you got a running back situation with the Rams that's not necessarily clear right now. You know, they got Malcolm Brown there. They got Daryl Henderson there and they got Cam Akers. So it'll be interesting to see who takes over that backfield. 
over the next few weeks. All right. So yeah, that, those are some interesting week week one uh, uh, storylines. Uh, I think, but mainly just with the COVID situation, I want to see what these stadiums gonna look like. I want to see what the setups gonna look like. I want to see if if week one can go smoothly. I feel like it it will be. Uh, it'll be, you know, interesting to see just how everything plays out. I'm just happy that we're having football because uh, up until a couple months ago, I was joking with you guys before we got on air and just saying that the NFL said months ago they were not worried about it. We're having a season. <laughs> like, they said we're having a season. Like, they act almost like the virus was not going on. They didn't even put it together. They put a, together a plan like a month ago. They've had plenty of time to prepare. We criticized them over it. But the NFL was just adamant about it. And they's like, we having a season. Like, it's not any question. Uh, I mean, you, I, I, I joke and think about the time where uh, the refs were on strike and they brought in a new set of refs. Like, the show will go on. Yeah. Like, the NFL has expanded the practice squad team, the amount of players that you can put on your practice squad. They have done everything they can to say, hey, look, next man up. Did the show will go on. Washington, we understand that y'all been sexually abusing and sexually assaulting these women in, in your organization. Uh, we don't like that y'all call the Redskins anymore. Y'all change y'all name. We're having a season. <laughs> you know, Darius, guys, get out of here. We're, you know, you get out of here. We're having a season. <laughs> like, I mean, like, nothing is going to detour the NFL from having a season. Nothing. Yeah, I, w- I just hope that, you know, this continues, you know, and I, obviously with, you know, their, their cases have been minimum as far as COVID cases, you know, um, they have some that's kind of popped up, but they're getting tested daily. And so it'll be interesting to see. Um, I know the rule right now is players aren't allowed in the facility the day after um, the game. So that's going to be interesting to see how that handles because, you know, again, a lot of players go in the day after the game and get treatment, things like that. Now, you know, they're taking that cost and giving them 24 hours away. I don't know what that's going to do, but they're going to give them 24 hours away before they're allowed to come to the facility after the game. So it'll be interesting to see um, how, how this whole year plays out, how many practice squad players get a chance to come up. You know, I'm glad they expanded those pra- um, practice squads. And given now that they're game day rosters as well, it's, you know, they can have a total of 53, 54 players on that game day roster. So that gives these creative coaches uh more toys to play with you know um before you (laughs) (laughs) but you know they give give them stuff to play with yeah and then uh, i mean are you saying too just like you were talking about the expansion of practice squad players and all of that did y'all see the josh mccallum situation where basically he gets to live at home he doesn't have to be with the team unless they just absolutely need him he's pretty much like an emergency QB situation now, so it's like you seeing all of those kind of things now too. Where like where I, I can be a part up? of this team but live home. Where do, where do I sign up? I can play a little corner, you know. <laughs> right. I I tune into some Zoom meetings if they need I'll, me. To. I'll be a, I'll be a, I'll be a punter. <laughs> right. Be a little kicker. Right. Right. Yeah, man. Um, interesting enough, man. Twelve grand to sit on your butt. That's a great deal. Yeah. Great deal. Like Stephen A. said, that's white privilege. So <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get to that in a moment. Uh, but we can't. That's some. We we would be amiss if we didn't tackle some of these NBA playoff headlines. So let's get it going with my favorite drop. If it wanna play. Man, how great have the NBA playoffs been so far, man? I I mean, I'm a young cat, but this is one of the best. The bubble playoffs, is, is it, it hit different, man. It hit different. Uh, we've had a fantastic game where, uh, where it just seemed like, the you know, even let's go back to last night where Giannis, you know, tweaked his ankle again. And, you know, he battled it out and showed a lot of heart but couldn't get back. But the Bucks still won. And they are very much alive in this series. One would argue that the offense flows better with Giannis on the bench. I don't know how much I buy into that because of how much, uh, how valuable he is to the franchise. Uh, but I mean, I mean, if 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 they have if 
Why can't they get a dude name? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Who is in it? Talking about Chris Middleton? Yeah, Chris Middleton. If he plays like that, I mean, the Bucks legit have a shot to, you know, to maybe buy another game until Giannis gets back. Or Giannis may try to give it a go. I think that Giannis, I think he needs to sit out this game. I think he does and get that ankle right because obviously he tweaked it again. And I think that guys need to get back to old school. I know that Kobe, my favorite player, rest in peace, of course. Um, but, you know, him having the low-top shoes, a lot of guys are wearing low-top shoes, and it's, they paying the price for them. You know, because when I was coming up playing ball, I'm like I'm old. <laughs> but rule of thumb, you never play basketball in low-top shoes. You know, you never do that. And um, But I, th- I think Giannis should – uh, sit out a game, and I, I think that that the Bucks, I think against the Heat, if they play, if they match their intensity, oh yeah, Heat in six. I said it. <laughs> heat in six. Yeah. Do All I get right. Do I get my credit, guys? Now, yeah, of course. Now the the injury, like with Giannis and the injury, I guess that does play a part. But Miami was dominating them before Giannis getting injured. But back on yeah. track. We'll yeah. talk about that in a second. Wait a minute. But I, I, do y'all think that Giannis should sit out sit out this next game, or you think he should try to give it a go? Do you think that the Bucks can buy another game from the Heat? Uh, as far as n- no, this this series is over in five, man. I I, I, I feel <laughs> you what you were saying about yeah, I feel what you were saying about you had a ball movement and the offense flows without Giannis and X, Y, and Z. And if if Middleton does this and does that. And I give you a round of applause for talking that up, bro. Wait, I got you one. Give I got it. A round Look. of applause. There you go. All right, give yourself a round of applause, but we're gonna end up cutting that applause because this series is over in five, man. Like the Heat are gonna get it done. Jimmy is gonna close them out in five. So, I guess to really answer your question with Giannis's situation, I mean. You know, I don't, I don't know. You know, I don't really know that the ankle situation of how how tough or how difficult it is going to be for him to it play. I think, severe. yeah, it seemed really severe. And I think honestly, like, I think whether he plays or not, this series is over in five. So um, he might as well just sit it out and let that ankle recover because whether <laughs> he gives it a go or not, you know, it, it's going to be over in five. What you say, CB? Yeah, I mean, I think it's over this next I don't think game. I ever called you CB before. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I think this this is over. Um, it's unfortunate because think about it. This is about to be over, and Giannis is about to accept the MVP award and a defensive player award of this year. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, and they were the number one seed. Like, how embarrassing is that? Like, this is your number one seed, and this is the type of product that you put out there. You know what I'm saying? It's like, again, that's y'all's MVP. You know, that's y'all who y'all just claimed the MVP. I just want y'all to know that from a regular season award, man. Regular season award. Regular season award. That's true. Interesting point, though, like y'all said, Giannis, um, man, he got up in Giannis, man. They really exposed that man somewhat, bro. Like, they are, I, I love the heat. I mean, that's my guilty pleasure. I'm a Lakers fan. Through thick and thin, I bleed purple and gold. I'm more of a Lakers fan than I am a, a Saints or LSU fan. But the Heat, it's hard not to like them. They're gritty, they're unselfish, they're well coached, and they put together a plan with Giannis. And Giannis is not—we're not gonna let him frolic in the lane. Yeah. If he does, he gonna feel us. Uh, we're not gonna let him just get a get a rev up and get a head start and take it coast to coast. Like, they really put together a plan and they executed. And outside of that, Jimmy is being – Jimmy is like a cork uh, – uh, what they call it, a corkscrew? No? Uh, I, I'm going to just figure out what you're trying to – What's that little thing that has the – it got a bottle open on it, it got a blade, it got a knife. What's that? Uh, army oh, Swiss knife. Swiss army yeah, knife? he's like yeah. an Army Swiss knife. For Swiss the, Army knife, bro. A Swiss Army Swiss. <laughs> <laughs> You're taking that off. Right. Edit. Please edit. He's like a Swiss Army knife for the heat, bro. He can, I mean, a Swiss Army knife for the heat. He basically does it all. He's a, he molds himself into what they need to be. Bro, you finally Being, got that out. You finally got it out, bro. Right Give myself a round of applause. Right. No, but 
he's what he molds himself into what the Heat needs. If they need a defender to shut down someone, that's what he does. If they need a clutch shot, that's what Jimmy does. If they need a score, if they're struggling in a scoring stretch, Jimmy takes it upon himself to score. Like Jimmy basically has rubbed off on every player at the Miami Heat, which was he was incapable Pause, of. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> no, he's just trying to <laughs> That's a reach, bro. So, so I mean, he, he was incapable of doing that in Philly because it was too many egos with Ben and Embiid. And Embiid and those two, that's another another subject for another day, but they don't have a heart. You know, when Jimmy got there, Jimmy is like, you know, if you work hard and you play hard and, you know, you play the game the right way, we can win. We can do this. And I feel like the Heat has turned themselves into a dark horse in the playoffs, bro. No, no, I, I agree. I think that they definitely have turned themselves into a dark horse. And I think at this point, man, you know, they're not flying under the radar anymore, man. The people know what they can do. Uh, shout out also to Eric Spolstra, man. Spolstra is a great coach. That Your is- uncle? Chill out, man. <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> Spolstra is a great coach that has uh, been able to fly under the radar for years. Uh, but you know that we've talked about that time after time. And like you said, what they've set up system-wise, man, once again, we're seeing the deficiencies in Giannis' game get exposed. You know, we saw that happen last year when we played Toronto after those first two games. And now we're seeing it again in this um, situation. And I honestly believe, too, some of the issues, even with Mike Budenholzer, uh, I believe that you know, sometimes Giannis just catching it at the top of the key and just thinking that he's going to be able to bully his way to the rim. Like, that's not going to work. You got to find some other ways to get the ball to him. You got to find some ways that he's catching it at the free throw line or even deeper than that, you know. And, and it's showing, too, that in Giannis's game um, that he just, you know, doesn't have enough in his bag in his offensive, like, one-on-one type game. You know, pretty much if he can't take you to the rim, take you off the dribble that way, then he doesn't really have much. It's not like he's going to pull up from mid-range in you. He doesn't, you know, have a post-game fadeaway type thing, anything like that. So, you know, at the end of the day, like you said, just things are being exposed at this point in this game. Yeah, yeah. I, I was to say this. Um, you know, that's kind of the same thing that, um, you know, the Lakers coach ran into, Frank Vogel ran into with, um, with Anthony Davis, you know, compared to game one to game two was we had to find ways to get Anthony Davis involved more yeah. so. Um, and what he did was he started giving Anthony Davis the ball more on the move, you know, so they didn't have time to come and trap and double and set their defense and, and prepare. So Anthony Davis started getting the ball on the move and it gave, you know, this last previous game, game two, gave the Rockets trouble. And so, I, I you know, again, it takes that adjustment. Only time that really Giannis is dangerous is when he gets the rebound and he goes coast to coast. Everyone kind of knows that to build that wall and stop him. And sometimes they just can't do it. But again, if he's not getting that rebound and going all the way, he's not going to have court really kill you, you know, especially when a defense can set. So he has to, you know, again, that's y'all's MVP. He has to evolve his game. He likes saying <laughs> What he said? He said that's our MVP. He keep trying to throw that shot at us, man. He was the regular season MVP, bro. I never Ooh. said MVP means best player, and you know that from being a Kobe fan all these years, man. Kobe only got one of them things, but we know that Kobe was the best player in the game for more than it wasn't for Nash so, and his yeah. white privilege. Oh, oh, oh killing the transition! I'm killing the transition. Whoa! So let's get into it quickly, guys. The Brooklyn Nets has named Steve Nash as their head coach. Uh, keep in mind, uh, the, just for the listeners, background, I've been trying to do better informing these listeners who like to listen to us because we're talented but don't know really know what the sports is going on. But Steve Nash, you know, no prior coaching experience at all. Uh, he threw his name in the hat for the Brooklyn Nets to be, become the head coach, and he got it. Stephen A. had some words to say. Uh, which we got much love and respect to Stephen A. He paved the way. Bars. But um, Stephen A. said that it's white privilege. And I kind of got what he was saying, but I think what Stephen A. says get lost in how harsh his delivery is. But, you know, at the end of the day, Steve, uh, Steve Nash is a, is a, is a legend, uh, one of the greatest point guards of all time. 
and his pedigree and and just his approach to the game, even though he screwed us over as Lakers fans, yes. <laughs> collecting that big old check yep. and not playing a single game, seemed like. But, you know, Steve Nash knows a lot about the game. Um, what are y'all thoughts? Do y'all feel as though Stephen A is correct in saying that Steve Nash is, is white privilege? No, no. I, I'm going to come out point blank and say I don't believe that. And it, it's two, uh, two angles coming from it. I think that Steve Nash is former NBA player privilege. Um, we see this kind of thing happen um, even with former black NBA players. I mean, we saw Derek Fisher that, you know, once he retired, Derek Fisher, it wasn't like he was an assistant anywhere. He got the Knicks job. Granted, of course, I know that wasn't a great job, but he got that job. You look at Jason Kidd. Sent that boy to the WNBA. Signed <laughs> to the WNBA. Y'all balling. Yeah. I watched the yeah. game the other night. Y'all are balling. Yeah. You look at uh, you look at Jason Kidd, and you think about that Nets team that he had when he first came, um, and he was shortly retired and went basically straight into being a head coach of a team that, you know, a lot of team know, people know that that team, the Brooklyn Nets, they flopped with Joe Johnson and Paul Pierce and KG and Darren Williams and Brooke Lopez. But before that season started, people thought that they were going to be a contender. That was the general consensus. And we saw that Jason Kidd got that job. We saw Doc Rivers get a head coaching job without experience. So that was initially Stephen A's argument. And then he went to, hey, you know, when do we see these black, um, you know, former players get these, you know, head coaching gigs of potential contenders. And that just doesn't come along too often. Like there's not a great enough sample size. And like I mentioned, you had Jason Kidd um, that took over the Brooklyn Nets team when they were considered that they were going to be a contender before the season started. But then you also got to look at the fact that this is something that, that KD um, and Kyrie wanted. You know, Kevin Durant has an established relationship with uh, Steve Nash. And so you, you can say privilege here, privilege there. But at the end of the day, the black players, they, they wanted Steve Nash. So, you know, I, I, I don't really totally buy into what Stephen A is trying to say. I think that he had an argument. And then when that rebuttal came, he tried to slightly change his argument to say, OK, no, I just meant for these opportunities when it can get be a championship level type team. But I just don't think that the sample size is large enough to even really make that argument. You want to yeah. get in there, Lowe's? Yeah, I agree along the lines of Ramon with that is I think it was more so a player pick. And then I think it goes back to Kevin Durant wanting him there. Um, reports are saying that um, when when Steve Nash was with the Warriors, kind of being that um, assistant slash coach role with the Warriors, not, not necessarily a, a full-on assistant, but just kind of playing in a uh, maybe a shooting coach type of thing. Yeah, player development type. Exactly. When he was with that role that him and KD got close during that time. And so, again, when you got these top-level teams, these great teams, you don't necessarily need a hard-nosed coach, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Especially these days with these type of players, you need a, a coach that's going to really, hey, that these, that, these, that these superstars are willing to listen to and respect, you know what I'm saying, and maybe have some, some, some type of X's and O's that, you know, that aren't really thought of, or, you know, kind of like Frank Vogel with the Lakers. He's not necessarily this hard-nosed coach, but he's big into the analytics. He's big into drawing up plays, different things like that. They just need that coach that's going to really put them in the right situation. You're killing this segment, You're killing this segment. Keep going, man. You're killing it. No. So, I mean, I'm just saying, I, I think it was more so a, a coach, I mean, a player's pick, you know, and with KD, I think he meshes the best with, you know, we know how Kyrie Irving has been in the past with his, with his, his, his emotions and, the way he acts, you know, his personality is a little different than, you know, than others. Kevin Durant, you, we've known him to be um, one of those players as well, where he's been emotional and he's been, his personality is not necessarily, uh, you know, can be sometimes hard to decipher among the, the media and things like that. I think, you know, Steve Nash was the perfect type of even kill guy to bring there to make those pieces match. You know, sometimes it's not about the best coach or the best candidate. It's, who's going to get the players to play the hardest for them. And I think Steve Nash would be the perfect coach for that. Yeah, I mean, just looking at um, Nash's history with the game, I mean, he was a leader amongst men. That means a lot. Uh, I, I doubt there's anything you can tell him about the game that he hasn't already dissected. That's why he 
I mean, I, he deserved uh, MVP, but he didn't deserve back-to-back because I feel like Kobe should have got it that second time when he got that back-to-back. That's neither here nor there, nor am I salty about it. Can you tell? But <laughs> um, I, but just to go back to Stephen A and the basis of what he's saying, I mean, you got Tyron Lue out there. Uh, you got Mark Jackson, who I still feel, deserve, feel deserves a job. And I, I honestly feel just dissect, dissecting what uh, Stephen A was trying to say. He's just vouching for his friend, Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson has essentially been blackballed out the league. It's no way that all these coaching jobs are coming and going, and he's not getting it. You know, he's not getting a job. So, uh, and we, we know that he was the, the basis of creating, of beginning to create, not to take anything away from Stephen Kerr, but he began. He started that dynasty and just getting those guys together, and he he put in, in place something with those guys that carried over. And we know the history, and, and it led to multiple championships. And I think that the Warriors will bounce back this year as well with a lottery pick that they that I anticipate them to trade and get more assets back. But and then Stephen will get healthy and Clay will be healthy. But you know, I, I just feel like uh, Mark Jackson, I think that's what, it, when it all boils down, that's what he was, you know, trying to get it. But I don't think, just like you said, Ramon, I don't feel like, it, you know, it's white privilege. You know, it, it, you know players who played the game uh, should get a first opportunity to coach. Who knows it better than somebody that's been out there? So, um, but that's it, man. I mean, it's no, it's, I, I think that I told you guys offline, I, I said if, if, if Kyrie and Kevin Durant wanted this, then it's going to work. If they didn't, then it's not going to work. Simple put, simply put. So, yeah. All right, man. Look like we've done it again. Another episode of the Peanated Benchwarmers podcast. Thank you for hanging around to the very end. Uh, we just want to let you know to follow us on O underscore Benchwarmers on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, you'll get updates from us there. Um, yeah, I got anything else? No, man, just let's, let's have fun this next week. You know, the next time we record, it'll be uh, NFL season. will be right on our doorstep. So um, let's enjoy this, this next week, this next second round of the playoffs, and uh, go Lakers. Last Sunday without football. Yeah, yeah, sports fans got a lot to look forward to, man. Go Lakers. We out. We out.